What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the show. Today, I'm talking with Jack Rayner, fellow coach from the UK. Super sarcastic dude. I know you guys are going to love him. We talk about what it means to be a novice trainee or an intermediate trainee or an advanced trainee. And are those qualifications that you should even be worried about? Is what phase you're in something that you should even consider? And when it comes to exercise programming and nutrition, do the principles change? Do the hierarchy, does the hierarchy of importance change as you progress further into your training career? Without giving the game away, there are some things that are unique to being a novice and some things that change as you become more advanced. But at the end of the day, the basic principles still reign supreme and it's something that we hammer home throughout the podcast. So I know you guys will love the episode. Enjoy. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the show. Today I have with me coach, online coach, content creator from overseas across the pond, Mr. Jack Rayner. How you doing? Good morning. Oh, yeah. Wait, it's good afternoon. Yeah. How yes. are we? I'll have to get a, a translator in here for some of the, the banter, some of the, the mm. British slang that gets thrown around on today's episode. That's good. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's very, yeah. One thing I am very sarcastic, so a lot of this stuff I might say would be like, is he serious? But... <laughs> if you follow any of your content, I'm sure they're familiar with that by now. But um, I hope so. I We were talking a little bit just off air here is about like, I have some clients that are in the UK and they have, I have, or they've made me have a different approach with them. They've just kind of changed me as a coach and they seem to appreciate a little bit more directness. Um, as it's any UK people listening, I'm sure there's a nodding along. Like they just appreciate some of that direct language and a little less, less like beating around the bush. And you had said that you have some clients from like around the world. Do you find that there's like different approaches like regionally around the world? Yeah, I'd say with like um, maybe like most of my American clients are very like if if I tell them to do something, they'll just go away and like nod their head. And then, then you'll see them like a week later and they're like, they go, what do I do next? Whereas it's like, uh, someone from the, UK, someone from the UK is a bit like, not, not, I think this is very kind of stereotypical, but, um, cause obviously like online coaching is very individualized, but a lot of it is, yeah, like very direct. Like, what do I do? Like, yeah, I, again, it, it could be, and we'll speak about this, like people who are beginners and advanced and whatever, intermediate. I think for the most part, if you have someone who is very advanced, then they'd be very much the same as like, you tell them what to do and then they kind of come back. You know, yes, sir, I've done this. Uh, I'd say with people from like, maybe like I've got some clients in Norway and Germany and they're very kind of direct. So I think like the more you go, the more like east, east you go think, the more, yeah, yeah. yeah. it yeah. just gets more and more direct so you might be more direct than someone from la so that i could see that as well yeah for sure i have some california clients as well it's like uh want to talk more about... laid back as fuck <laughs> yeah for sure for sure um how have things been going in terms of coaching online during during quarantine have you guys been quarantined have you a lot of people who are doing at home at home training at home programming yeah, I don't, I'm just trying to think. I don't think I have any um, quarantine clients right now. I think they're all in the, actually, I do have one, um, which would be California based. But I think, I don't think that's, mo that's more out of like personal, like they just don't want to go to a gym, which is completely fine. I kind of get that. So um, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been a bit adventurous, some would say. I, I like going from a, a, a normal leg extension and leg curl to like a radiator banded, uh like cuffed yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh leg ascension has been a bit fun but i have actually like i've and this might sound really weird but i've actually really enjoyed that part of it like part of the programming like 
again it's so individualized it's like right take a photo of every single thing you have in your house and let's just see what we can do like doing like frying pan lat raises maybe not frying <laughs> no, pan maybe that. maybe yeah. that shit kills me yeah. she fucking kills yeah. me yeah. <laughs> it, it, it did bring me back to the idea of movement patterns and just and and, yeah. and just planes of motion and like hey we need a horizontal push hey we need a vertical pull we need a quad movement and a, and a hip extension dominant movement mm -hmm. and that's been a ton of fun i think i also think communicating that to clients has been a ton of fun where they're like oh, i don't have a i don't have dumbbells or i don't have a bench it's like hey we can do a push-up or it's we can do a bulgarian mm -hmm. split squat we don't have a barbell rack like reminding us that we're there to create tension and we're there to create tension yeah. for certain muscles and certain planes of motion just it reminds the client that like, hey we can do anything anywhere and yeah there's certain things you can't do at, at home with no equipment that you could do in a fully stocked gym but but we can make do and we can stick to those basic principles of you know taking your sets close enough to failure enough sets enough reps in those planes of motion and really kind of still be um pretty productive mm -hmm. yeah i think um another thing that was quite eye-opening is like the whole notion of you needed like a, a really sick environment for a, a sick as in good a good environment like a, a good gym so a, like hardcore bodybuilder gym you can't gain muscle unless you're in this hardcore bodybuilder gym but again you've got like like and they like radiate uh decline push-ups or something like, like, like you're just in your lounge just not <laughs> yeah, yeah there's no environment here so i think that's kind of ultimately taught us that yeah, you don't necessarily need a fancy gym. You could get away with a commercial gym just fine. Yeah. I also think that people, I have some clients who really took to, in the beginning of quarantine, it was like, we didn't know how long it was going to last. So I remember I was like, hey, whatever you have at home, don't freak out. Send me pictures of your whole space, all this stuff you have. I will make it brutal. You'll wish I've, you fucking went back to the gym. But mm -hmm. I thought in my head a month, two months, like we can get plenty of productivity. We can just do like a more like metabolite phase and like some higher rep ranges and We'll do some things you don't normally do. You know, we'll add in some more pulses and some more pauses and some more higher reps and more unilateral stuff. And I thought a month or two, but like as it started to progress three, four, five months, I was like, you guys might want to invest in some equipment. Like just yeah, might yeah. be worth it. So I have some clients who put together, like I've seen your, I've seen your at home gym, your garage gym. And I have some clients who put together some pretty nice set of equipment and they're, they're probably going to just be staying home for the long term. Not, not even because of the fear component more of like a it's such a convenient component of like if i have a, if somebody has adjustable dumbbells and a bench and maybe i mean man if you also have a squat rack and barbells like you're you're good to go like yes you're not gonna be able to utilize some of the machines and some of those things that are like just a nice add-on but you can make great gains like with that and if it's super convenient in your backyard and it's going to make you more consistent because you're it's two feet away you don't have to drive like i love that super supportive of that yeah for sure i think uh one thing that Steve Hall said uh, was the like I never like most gyms in the UK are shut on Christmas Day and like I'm so happy that I can go to the, like I'll be able to go to the gym just like go into my garage and kind of train like that's my ultimate Christmas day is to wake up uh, kind of go and train and then kind of eat lots of food like that is like totally cool but I haven't had the ability to do that and then this year maybe maybe I'll have that ability so yeah that's awesome I have had the luxury of the last. Well, I've also been an in-person personal trainer, so any of the studios that I, I work in have always, like, been super open to be, like, open figuratively, but also open, like, 24-7, always having, every mm -hmm. trainer has a key. So now that we have our own studio, it's it's been very nice, like, any hour of the day on any day. We haven't been closed in any day of the year in years, so that's been nice. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> turning the page here a little bit, the reason I brought you on or wanted to bring you on, and it's like, obviously, I've been following you for a while, love your content. 
And I think that bringing on coaches who coach a different niche of people and getting their perspective on some more or less common questions is a really good way for us to kind of piece together a complete picture of how to treat people like an individual. And I think that there are going to be people who have listened to this podcast who it might be information that's new for them and it might be pushing them to learn some new things. And that's because you might be coaching people that are in a slightly more advanced stage of their training career. And that's super important. It's important for us to learn about that. I think the name of the podcast where optimal meets practical, I don't want that to be a name that shies away from what's optimal. And 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 yes, what's practical is most important, but we, we need to learn from what is or potentially is optimal for you know, even for some people just in an advanced stage, I think there's just definitely still some things that we can learn about. So that's absolutely what I want to talk about today. Um, I almost want to first, before we even talk about training advanced folk or intermediate people or novices, like I want to see if we can kind of describe or put a definition on what what is a novice, what is an intermediate, what is an advanced? Like, can we come up with, or is it even worth coming up with you know, at what point are you transitioning between those? I get people asking me all the time, is this an, a, a, a movement for an advanced people? Or is that a dieting technique for advanced people? It's like, what does that even mean? What does it mean to be a novice? What does it mean to be an intermediate? Like, is it even worth it to figure out a way to identify what that is? Mm, yeah, so one thing I will get cracking with straight away is that um, people automatically, well, two things. People automatically uh, want to be an advanced when you're a novice but want to be a novice when they're advanced so when they're like you you never want to be an advanced trainee and i'm going to say that now because it sucks and i wouldn't actually like the amount of times i've actually like had to clock myself and say that i'm an advanced trainee i'm not an advanced trainee i'm nowhere near yet um and we can go through like maybe a, a breakdown of how we can kind of um we'll, we'll, like outline that that would be yeah. the word um the Bro, break down, so when break you're down, a novice, you... Yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, break down why an advanced person might want to be a novice and why it's a wrong yeah, so, mentality. I mean, yeah. I think that if you're an advanced trainee, you want to kind of go back to when you're a novice and then have that knowledge to then kind of bring your physique up because you've got to think that no when you're a novice trainee, you're pretty much going to set yourself up to how you're going to potentially look when you're an advanced trainee. Um, like, for example, if you are an, uh, kind of a novice trainee and you train quite poorly... Uh, you eat, eat quite poorly, etc. Your like that 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 first year or two is going to be kind of the most uh, kind of the base to to where we kind of progress. And if you don't do things here necessarily, then it it might affect stuff when you're advanced. Let's just say I'll give myself as a, an example. Um, I was told when I was a novice trainee, and you might have heard this before, but I was told by when I was a novice trainee that I should not train back because of Basically, there was this guy in a wheelchair. He was in our gym. He was like doing some foam roll exercises with his back. And he was like, if you train back, you'll end up like this. And I didn't train back for the first <laughs> two years of my lifting career. Um, and it's really affected my back. Like my back was by far the weakest body part for ages. And now it's starting to kind of come up. That's why I really always try and show my back when I'm, um, when I take physique shots, because I'm, like it's it's a very weak area but i'm still kind of trying to trying to get there um so also with the um with the novice stuff i'll bring it back to the start of the question with the with the novice trainee it's very very easy to listen to the advanced guys and then try and do what they're doing when they've already got 
the baseline sorted out, if that makes sense. So let's just say, for example, the novice trainee will always look at the advanced guy and see that he's taking all these supplements, see that he's doing some um, manipulation in training volume, see that he's kind of doing like drop sets or all of these kind of um, intensity techniques that you could do at the back end of the mesocycle. But they can't hit their protein. They can't go into the gym and like execute the movement properly. They're not proficient with a barbell. Um, so people always look when you're a, when you're a novice trainee, you always look to the advanced and kind of nitpick these tiny things that they're talking about because they're thinking they're talking to people who are very advanced. Whereas as I try and talk as like a late intermediate, I try and talk or not dumb it down because I think that's kind of a bit rude to people who are novice trainees. Like, but I, I would say stop like people who are very uh advanced always talk at that level yeah. but they don't necessarily know that people at this level are listening to them um so yeah i hope that kind of answers your question yeah I'm for sure a few bits. no it's good uh, go on a tangent all you want i think there's um i think when we think of a novice like if anybody out there is thinking like okay what's a novice and uh, what is that your first one to and this listen to how i'm phrasing it it's probably something like your first one to three years of doing things right and that 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 means that there are some people out there have been training for five six seven eight nine ten years who are still novices because it's the first one to three years of doing things right and i often find i'm sure that that happens with you like i'll i'll have clients who come to me that are you know i've been training for years and you know you have enough of a conversation with them and you're like man we have a lot of knobs that we can still turn up like you, you haven't ever consistently hit your calories and your protein and stayed on a plan for more than two weeks at a time without jumping off like yeah you've been exercising but you haven't been in like an intelligently designed hypertrophy strength program that applies progressive overload and, and requires you to fucking just track your workouts so i think if somebody's out there and listening and they're like yeah no i'm not a novice it's like well you might be in the true sense of the word where you haven't actually exhausted your quote unquote newbie gains um and i mean just for context newbie gains being the idea that when you're new to training you're just like very sensitive to the training stimulus and you grow from almost nothing and that kind of goes back to what you said of you grow from almost nothing so you grow from very little you can get maximum gains with very little effort especially as a beginner and that means that sometimes we see that people put you know put the cart before the horse or they step over pennies to pick uh, step over dollars to pick up pennies or whatever phrasing you want to use where they're trying to do what the advanced people are doing they're trying to worry about you know pre-workout meal timing and you know having casing before bed and uh uh you know making sure creatine supplementation supplementations on point and at the end of the day like they're going to grow like a weed from compound lifts and hitting their protein hitting their calories the first time Mm. yeah i think um that well we've actually got a, a study on um i think it was i can't remember what, what the exact study was but it was just basically looking at dumbbells as a novice train or so not a novice trainee it'd be like a new trainee just looking at weights would actually uh they'd have muscle hypertrophy so just just visualize or just looking at weights uh would would do that so that's how easy it is to to gain muscle when you're a complete newbie um i would say that Here's uh, maybe a cool point that when you're in a kind of a, a newbie, you would, as you said, you would gain very quickly or gain muscle very quickly and very easily. Now, and this could be done with absolutely horrendous form. 
um this could be done with like minimal tracking this could be done with like minimal protein intake etc although i do think for the most part that people do things right straight away which is they kind of know that they have to lift heavier weights so that's progressive overload and they know they need to hit their protein so that's quite good uh, obviously we can get better but i would say from that if you're um consistently gaining muscle for like say five to 10 years and you're doing that with kind of inefficient form if you're kind of not even tracking you're not even hitting your protein whatever that's when you could basically say from the get-go that you are a genetic freak if you can do all of that and get like really you know there was a word called wap um when when before cardi b yeah WAP like, meant like big yeah. built but yeah. now wap means completely different thing and i can't ever say that ever again but <laughs> when yeah if you can get absolutely like jacked from um from really moving inefficiently etc then i would say yeah you're a genetic freak and that goes to my point where when people who are genetic freaks then give out fitness advice to people like you and me it doesn't apply to that like you you, you it's just like oh yeah just lift lift heavy weights lift it. i can't do that if i do that i'm not gonna grow so yeah i think that's maybe that kind of gives the genetic freak that's a genetic freak model um but yeah let's let's talk directly to the novice listening and we're thinking okay somebody out there's listening they're like okay i am a true novice maybe they've never picked up a weight or they just are in their first year of at home training and they're thinking about going to a gym like what are some of the things and you and i can go back and forth and we'll compile kind of like a list here of like what are some things that are unique to their situation and how can we help them you know not put the cart before the horse and how can we help them focus on you know, X, Y, and Z instead of A, B, and C. So what are some of the things that are unique to their situation as a novice and things that they really should be like, what are some of the, what's the hierarchy for them? And then we're going to talk it later as an advance and, and, and whether or not it changes much, but what is, how does a conversation change as a novice? What are some of the things that they need to know that they need to not worry about so much and, and, and what's unique about their situation? Yeah. So I would say for the first, well, as you're a novice trainee, the first thing or the best thing you can do, the thing that will make you crazy, crazy gains straight away is to kind of get someone who like who, get a coach, if that makes sense. Because they're going to, that will fast track you to uh, kind of becoming an intermediate lifter, becoming very kind of proficient with a barbell, etc. So that like hierarchy is very much like a coach can tell you that. A coach can tell you, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. And that, I really wish I did that at the start of my training. But um Number one thing is, again, get proficient with the barbell or get proficient with movement, execution, etc. Technique. Um, so, yeah, technique. I mean, that is going to kind of grow you out of this world. No matter the kind of training intensity right at the start, if you're proficient with the movement, if you're feeling every single muscle that you want to work, that's fantastic. And again, I'll go back to that point. If you are kind of doing a movement and you're not feeling it where you, you have to really think where you're, where you're feeling it. If you're doing a kind of a squat and you're feeling it in your back, you need to then question it and question why you're feeling it in your back. Why are you not feeling it kind of an immense pump in your quads and your glutes, etc. maybe your adductors. So I would say um, execution first. Uh, so that would kind of be at the bottom of the kind of, um, what do you I suppose it would be a pyramid. Uh, and then we can look to like calories and protein. So I would say the most important thing that maybe a novice trainee could do, and obviously it's very individual, like we could be speaking to a guy who's like 30% right. body fat mm -hmm. or like 10% body fat, but I would say 
try a period of maintenance just for a little bit um and then see if we can have like a recomp phase this is going to be the only situation where you could really ever do this except if you're injured uh kind of come back have muscle memory etc etc or if you just have time away you maybe we could speak about that in a bit um there is another example but that would in, in that would be enhanced trainees um True. so i would say like hit calories hit protein um and then good execution i think that's going to be like the base of our pyramid uh, i don't know if you want to add anything else yeah, before I, think, I go moving up sure i, I think that and i might be getting ahead of you here but i think that in recognition of the fact that technique is first technique's always first but it is yeah more important at that stage when you have an opportunity to pick anything that you can go down those wrong roads that you pick technique first and that that's not something that and i've talked about this in a previous podcast like you're just not able to really exert force in those like pro close proximity to failure sets those really hard sets if your technique's not solid because you're just not going to be able to grind out squats and deadlifts and presses and pull-ups with good technique if you don't first have good technique uh, you're not gonna be able to grind out those like all the way to failure sets without crumbling underneath the bar um, and I also think that in saying technique is first, we by are also, you know, just by definition saying that that idea of, of proximity to failure and how many sets and how many reps and how close to failure is by definition less important. And it's always less important and you should never be sacrificing technique for those things or, you know, we can get into the nuance of sacrificing technique, but it's, it's even more important, I'd say, for a newbie to accept the fact that those questions are very secondary and if you like you said if you go in and you're doing those compounds and you're stimulating the muscles you want to work and you're getting even fucking remotely close to failure just by nature of you know most people if you I, if, I, if i'm coaching a, a some archetype newbie who doesn't exist some hypothetical like i don't want him going close to failure the trouble is that it's like you have someone who's like newbie and oftentimes like, i don't know why in my head i have like a a young kid a young boy in mind who's going to the gym and he wants to do the, do it right and you know he goes to failure just because that's what we do. We go as hard as we can. We push as hard as we can. There's that ego mentality. A lot of people pick up working out from like their older brother who like pushes them or from like the football team or like, and you just go to failure. I just think that if I were to go back in time, I would have kind of scaled back on that a little bit and really focused, dialed in on technique first for sure. Yeah, sure. I think, um, again, I think that the like trying to failure mentality, it, again, that's looking at the advanced. Like I got into bodybuilding because i watched uh pumping iron and to me like that if i it, like when i looked at that i'm just like i'm going to the gym that's it i'm going to the gym i'm doing this i'm looking i look but arnie was advanced <laughs> like that's kind of the point what i said at the start like i looked at that guy and thought what's that guy doing why let's get as, as jacked as that but obviously there's a massive kind of chunk of 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 um kind of information that i needed to digest before i looked at that so you're, saying, um, so you're saying you're not the same as Arnold, is what you're saying? Uh, I'm like, uh, I don't know. Have you seen, uh, do, you, do, you, do you read uh, Mr. Men or uh, no. uh, have you read? I don't know if you read them currently, but maybe when you read them as a kid. But there was a guy called uh, Mr. Tickle and he had these like really spangly arms. That's me. One of those one of those inflatable arm flailing tube guys from outside. Yeah, yeah. Of yeah, yeah, yeah. That's perfect. That's you. Well, I, don't know sure. what I don't know what they're called. I think that's what they're called. Yeah, yeah I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. What about what about nutritionally? So, like from a caloric standpoint, let's talk a little bit about newbie gains. Let's talk a little bit about a, a novice's ability to recomp. I think that they're, I think it's a unique situation where a lot of people will come to me and they're like, you know, I, I have I don't have as much muscle as I want. 
I also have more fat than I want. And it's like, I, you're like, have you, what's your working out experience? They're like, I've never lifted a weight before. And it's like, man, you have a unique opportunity here to do what we call body recomposition, which is the building of muscle and the burning of fat simultaneously. And even, even to a significant degree in a deficit. So if you're somebody who is a little bit overweight, like you have this unique opportunity to go into a slight deficit and make sure you eat enough protein, make sure you're lifting enough and do some of that recomposition. So I think that that's, the biggest most overall thing that uh, from a newbie perspective when they get people get in the weeds about what should I do with my nutrition it's like man whatever you do like you'll build muscle so it's not you don't need to worry about it. and I think that's one of the big differences between novice and intermediate advanced is like you don't need the, the the requirement for a surplus is much lower like yes if you go to a surplus that is you're still going to build maximum muscle but you can build muscle in any of those phases so kind of do what's best you know, do if you're slightly overweight, maybe kind of lean towards doing a small a small deficit and recomping. If you're in that quote skinny fat uh, uh, range, and maybe doing just recomp at maintenance. And, and if you're already like one of those like super lean like quote unquote ectomorph kids, like yeah, cool. Like you can go into a surplus, just eat everything in sight, make sure you're lifting enough. Yeah, I think um, I kind of like having like beginner trainees or or at least people who come to me and say that because it's just like okay this is gonna be fun because once you have all that structure in place it's just like again like i said at the start it's just like a fast track to to get into like the intermediate phase but um yeah it's always fun when you get that type of client on let, let's move to like transitioning out of the novice phase so you've been training for a couple of years you track your calories and you know or you don't and you're just focusing on you know body weight movement and you know progressively going up in weight and reps and sets and learning your technique and at what point, or is there even a point where we can say, ah, I'm an intermediate now? Like what, what, what is the intermediate, what's the intermediate's lifestyle and priorities like that's different from the novices? Yeah. So I would say that again, I don't want to put a time stat, like a kind of a time on it because again, some people could be there like newbie gains stop at like two years or some people could be like seven. Like we said, like you could have been training like a douchebag for the first two years and then obviously had a structured program so technically you're still a newbie like your training career is still quite new um so yeah i would say the when you notice that gaining muscle is pretty damn hard and uh when you notice that gym weights performance etc starts to stall welcome to the intermediate stage um it's a lot harder and this is where you start to look at or start to maybe question your uh, methodology and your ideology this is where you start to learn a lot about yourself so it's not just oh like i'm eating my protein shake i'm eating like my carbohydrates i'm eating all my calories and i'm lifting in the gym but i'm still on the same kind of weight and then you start to go well, what about sleep and what about all these other variables um that's yeah that's intermediate stages and then again maybe we can go above that and that's yeah that's when it starts to really suck yeah. <laughs> and it just gets turned up a notch I, I, I totally agree i think that it's the first time you're confronted with having to have a bit more attention to detail for the first time and i think it's mm -hmm. it's a matter of being like oh what i've been doing hasn't been cutting it now i need to go back and look at my you know how what's my continuity like with training am i actually sticking to plans long enough am i having enough uh, adequate calories protein carbs you know, what's my training volume like? It's the first time you ever have to think about what's my intensity, proximity to failure. And it's not that you shouldn't be thinking about those things as a novice, but it's certainly the first time that you have to think about those things in order to continue making progress. And one of the cool parts is like, we all have bottlenecks. And and I think if you, I think if your training and your technique is pretty adequate, 
um, like in the sense that you're not overdoing it, you're not wildly underdoing it, you have relatively good technique, you're picking compound movements, like you can gain a, a ton of muscle with without having the other things in check, like you had mentioned earlier, like mm-hmm. calories, you're floating around maintenance, fine. If you could even make great gains with relatively low protein at that stage, with not great sleep, without deloading, with without you know modulating volume or intensity. But when you get to an intermediate, it's time to look back at what you've been doing and saying, where am I falling short? Like what knobs can I turn up higher? And that is so much often where I find clients will come to me and they're like, I've made, it seems like I've made newbie gains, um, but you know, I wanna keep making progress. What are the things that I'm, I'm lacking on? And you have a conversation with somebody and they've been sleeping four and a half, five hours of sleep on av- uh, five hours a night on average. And you're like, man, like we almost have this like NOS where we can like press this button and it's like, okay, we have another little bit of runway for newbie gains because mm. shit, you've been sleeping five hours a night. Um, so yeah. it's fun to kind of poke around into your, your novice, your newbie clients tendencies and be like oh my god look at look at these these knobs that we can turn up and you still have some room to continue making noticeable gains you don't have to you don't have to like an advanced person you just have to fucking accept that it's going to happen slow as fuck but it's it's nice to know when you have that transitionary person who's like been training for quite some time but still maybe hasn't turned all those knobs that they still have some of that in them yeah for sure that's when you start poking around at my fitness pal as well so or any tracking device or uh, or app because when you start looking at that, like when they start slowing down, etc., and you got the sleep nails and stuff, then you start looking at my fitness pal and you're going, "What the hell is this? This is like a seven-year-old kid's diet." This is so. Then you start doing that as well. You start saying like, "Like it's it's okay to have a little bit of fruit and veg in your diet. It's it's okay to do this. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to eat solid whole foods for once. It's good. Yeah, um, Just a shit ton of yogurt. Yeah." I think I think that there's also some. Uh, uh, I think an important thing to discuss with a with a novice is that they are a novice and that that this is a unique situation and that it does not last forever, and that the intermediate stage, at least as a coach, is an opportunity to reframe those expectations, like and remind people that that was a unique experience. That's not does not represent the rest of your training career where you just fucking look at the weight. I remember that study that you're talking about. There's another study where people did steady state cardio on the treadmill and saw leg hypertrophy. So mm. like that doesn't last forever. And reframing people's minds that the longer you train, the the more you're going to have to do more for less. And that 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 has like a, a exponential increase as you get to being advanced. So I think this is the first time to really like most people – 99% of people listening to this podcast, if you make it to the intermediate stage, which means to some degree, you have your calories in check, your training volume in check, you're training enough, you're training hard enough, your calories are floating around where they should be, your protein's at least at a minimum optimal range. Like most people are going to look really great. Most people are going to look as mm. good as they want to look. Um, doing those things is where you get, you know, I don't know if how much you follow Mike Matthews content, but he's big on like, you know, genetic potential and, and you know, how much of the, your maximum muscle you'll gain in your first couple of years. But most people, if you put the, the tools together for three, four years max, like you're going to look the way you want to look. And it's a matter of making sure those knobs are turned. Yeah, for sure. I think that um, intermediates are a, quite a cool position as well. So when you start training, um, and maybe we can talk, I don't know if you've spoken about kind of MRV concept, but uh, we, our maximum recoverable volume is actually considerably low and there's a couple of reasons for this and if you perform let's just say for example the the technique is pretty poor if you perform movements that are pretty poor your mrv is obviously quite squashed now when you're an intermediate you start to be very proficient with a barbell or your relative intensity you're starting to pick movements with a great kind of stimulus to fatigue ratio what you could have is like a mrv concept where you could have 
like it, it quite low you could have like a bell curve yep. you could so you could, it could kind of increase when you're a kind of an intermediate and then yep. go back down when you're quite advanced because that's what mrv does like inevitably unfortunately uh, when you're kind of a master's trainee it does kind of uh, your mev and your mrv kind of kind of switch the other way and that would be uh that would suck obviously but uh but yeah in a intermediate stage you are in a quite advanced or a quite a, a advantageous position uh when it comes to kind of mrv and your ability to train Let, let's let's break that down i'm sure there are people that have no clue what mrv is but there's i 100 agree with what you're saying i think that <laughs> i think that there's when you become an intermediate the amount of the amount of work you can do in theory goes up but you end up doesn't it wouldn't it wouldn't it in theory in terms of work capacity it would go up as you're starting to build more muscle but you're also getting stronger over that time so per unit of work like the things yeah. you're doing are more are heavier um and then i what the one thing i wrote in, in, in without not that listen i think I, I would love to go to break down mrv and sfr right now but i think that there's like a just from a baseline <laughs> those two things i think an intermediate is exactly what i wrote down it's the first time you start picking movements that are right for you. You start actually thinking, what are the movements that feel good? Don't fuck me up. Um, get a good pump, good feeling of tension in the muscle, good level of soreness, like, and don't leave me obliterated. And I think that we could just very briefly, like what I just said is kind of sums up what a, a stimulus to fatigue ratio is. Like how much benefit am I getting from this movement for how much fatigue am I accumulating? How, how sore am I getting? How, how, how much am I fucking up my joints? And for this is a really fun stage to be because I'll have clients at the end of their first, second, third block. And I'm like, what'd you think of the squats? Like, and they're like, they're fine. And we do like a leg press. And I'm like, what'd you think between the two of them? And it's the first time you're looking at comparable movements and actually having an opinion because it's like, I'll just do whatever you program for me. And I'm like, well, when it comes to programming, I know we need a squat pattern. We need some sort of knee flexion. We need some sort of hip flexion. We need some sort of hinge movement of horizontal press, all of those going back to the movement patterns. And for the first time, you actually get an opinion. It's like, we don't need to use a barbell for a bench press. Like, if you feel it in your shoulders, if it hurts your elbows, you don't ever get a chest pump. You just kind of don't even know what you're doing, just trying not to get guillotined. Like, it's the first time you have an opinion on the exercises. And I think that's a super fun thing to do. And you should probably do that in the beginning as a novice, but you don't really know dick. You're like squatting. You're just trying not to have your knees buckle. Like, But at some point, you can have an opinion and start to actually, and just for anybody listening, like, there are no mandatory exercises. If you do a convention like do you need to do a conventional deadlift from the floor and that can be a whole nother podcast but you don't so this is the first time for you to be like man i understand hinge pattern i understand squat pattern and i need vertical pull all of that stuff but like i can start to pick movements that actually fit well with you know a whole bunch of those factors that we talked about yeah yeah you could do a whole podcast on why we don't necessarily need a deadlift yeah i'm sure with people i'm sure the whole it's fitness been industry raged it's it's certainly something that that, sure that will get you back on and we'll talk about it. i think that's uh that's it's a conversation worth having and it's and it's a good it's a good mental exercise for people because the arguments against it are just like and it's a good mental exercise for sure let's um moving so okay so we have the newbie phase and we're and we're really focused on technique and technique and calories you know proximity to failure how intense the exercises are is you know it's not not important but it certainly doesn't come anywhere close to the importance of technique going through the motions correctly and making sure you're eating enough and then we have an intermediate who's like, okay, now now starting to come to the realization of I have to put in more work for less effort for less less return. Um, the first time I actually have to start turning all those knobs, sleep, protein, uh, you know, whatever. Start to look at my training volume, my training intensity. Starting to pick exercises that work really well for me. But that intermediate once I, I view that intermediate phase as the first time you have to actually think about your training. Um, in, in a slightly more in-depth way. But once you do, I actually think you see a lot of intermediates get this like second boost of newbie gains. 
And then obviously it tapers off at some point. And like, what what other knobs going to be an advanced trainee? Like, what are the other knobs that like, at what point am I? I think you're an advanced trainee only when you're doing all those things and 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 progress is still slow. Like, what do you do then? Yeah, so one thing that like, I think everybody turns to is kind of like the supplementation of well, just supplementing uh so whether that be like uh, a sleep supplement or, or whatever, but they ne never really dial in the actual routine. So again, you could have that second wind in the in the intermediate stage where you could really dial in, like you don't necessarily need the supplementation. You just need to kind of get into a routine, make sure your kind of sleep habits are in place, et cetera. So again, even like if you're in a, a late intermediate stage, you can kind of milk that intermediate stage into the into a kind of advanced trainee. But and once, you, once you're getting into advanced trainee, um you will start to notice that that weights will just kind of stay let's just say for example you've got like a um uh, a squat and you've kind of stayed at that 100 let's just say 100 kg uh you're in pounds but we'll go for kg yeah. uh, uh, and then we'll go for like 10 reps um the, you might be at the same kind of load and you might be at the same like i mean you might progress via sets uh, uh sorry um via reps in the mesocycle um but like two or three mesocycles could look exactly the same however you've got to think that one thing that is great about hypertrophy or just kind of bodybuilding in general is that as an advanced trainee you could have been doing like 120 uh, so yeah like 240 right yeah 240 for like yeah. 10 uh, for 10 reps yeah for 10 reps and it would uh you're not getting anywhere near as much stimulus as you are here that's a good thing about kind of being an advanced trainee and that's why i said like mrv would kind of be reduced your maximum recoverable volume will be reduced because you can get so much from a movement with such little load like if i go down for a squat now like i'm doing like 100 kg for like 11 12 reps like when i was training like two or three years ago i was doing like 120 for like 15 or whatever why would you say that so is? much now from because my technique is so much better because i'm putting in like pauses um i'm actually concentrating on the movement i'm uh like i never used to so i just use a squat and it just used to be like 15 reps like now i'm right where am i feeling this am i feeling in my quads yep okay right this rep was a bit funny i need to move my foot position over to the left and now i'm squatting again and i'm really concentrating on every single like rep you need to that's what happens when you're in a kind of getting into that advanced trainee um section as it were uh, of your career you really make the most out of each and every single rep and my theory is with mrv it's not necessarily that mrv comes down because you can't do that amount of work it kind of is because obviously you're stronger um so if you're stronger your mrv will come down naturally that's what happens with systemic fatigue um but when you are an advanced trainee as stated like you could do like a bent over row and you could get so much out of one rep like in comparison to the newbie who can do let's just say for example they'd need to do like five reps to get the same amount of stimulus you you've just got from one rep because your form is so so good because uh you're really like contracting every single muscle that like is in that movement um so yeah i think once you have a have that in place like and your kind of weights aren't necessarily progressing um that's like advanced trainee stage and also you can't be as aggressive with your 
uh, rate of gain. Like rate of gain, you could start from like maybe like one percent per month with with a kind of a, a novice. Obviously, you could go recomp. So recomp is a bit weird because you can't really go off like scale weight. You could just have to kind of like you could be at the same weight and or maybe even heavier. Um, so you can't like you also have to go with photos with that. Uh, when it comes to the kind of uh, intermediate, you can go like one percent per month, which is like point two five percent per week ish but obviously you can go over you can go under just within that ballpark with an advanced trainee realistically you have to take it very very slowly otherwise you're just going to get kind of really fat really quickly the ability to gain muscle is just incredibly hard um but obviously not impossible like i mean you've got like people like jeff alberts who have been uh, i believe he's like in his 40s now and he's just he's still progressing like it's not impossible you just have to be extremely meticulous with everything like your sleep has to be bang on uh maybe your supplementation has to be bang on although you could argue you don't necessarily need that uh your training has to be bang on your ability to listen to your body is bang on that's another that's another thing that you'll kind of get when you're you're an advanced trainee is that you kind of go into a session or you maybe kind of are in the day and you just kind of think something doesn't doesn't really feel right I, i don't know whether to go for this day and your ability to then say right Let's just have a little. Let's just have a rest day and just be very auto-regulated. Uh, whereas as a novice, you're like, ah, stop being a pussy. You can get, you can get this done. Um, so yeah, all of them would. I, I would then deem you a kind of advanced trainee if you're doing all of them. And also, kind of, you could look at the periodization of volume um, and intensity, etc. Like you could have like DUP. So if you're feeling great one day, go for it. If you don't, then yeah, tape it back. Cool. Yeah, I think that first of all, I'm going to break down a couple of things you said there. There's a ton of good stuff. I think that yeah. as an advanced trainee, you there seems to be a higher importance on on actively pushing your weight up, not more aggressively, but the importance of in general actively pushing your weight up because like you said, it's just going to take you just have to be turning more knobs and one of those knobs is just more raw materials, more cal- calories for your body to actually put towards building muscle and you can you can you can gain muscle in a deficit as a newbie. I mean, you could probably gain muscle in deficit at all times. There's some argument about that, but whatever. You can gain appreciable amounts of muscle in a deficit as a novice, and that kind of just goes against the fact that you would need more calories. You don't technically. Um, so I think as a novice, as an as you get more advanced, there becomes a, a you can't just rely on the training stimulus enough. You have to start to at least consider pushing your body weight intentionally up. And I think for a lot of people listening who are I, and there might be more reasons than this, but there are a lot of people that are listening that are like, hey, I've never, I haven't made gains. I haven't seen strength improvements. I haven't seen uh, muscle improvement. I haven't seen, you know, myself grow at all in the last X amount of weeks, months, years. Like, when's the last time you had your weight go up? What's the last time you intentionally put on weight? You know, not immediately, not arbitrarily, not super fast, but when's the last time you did it with intent? When's the last time you, you got on a, a controlled surplus and attempted to gain one, one to two percent of your body weight per month and actually, you know, tracked your lifts and made sure you're getting stronger? Like, Somebody, I remember Mike Isretel talking to somebody and, you know, he's like, people will come up to me and be like, man, I'm really in a plateau. Like, how do I grow? And, and Mike would be like, well, you know, are you gaining weight? And they're like, well, no, I don't, I don't want to gain weight. And he's like, where the fuck do you think the muscle's going to come from? So there's something to be said, like the more advanced you go the, or become, the longer you've been training, let's just say, the, the more important it is to make sure that you're turning that knob of making sure you're having enough raw materials to actually gain. Um, yeah, for sure. And then there's something to be said about as you become more advanced, you might not be getting stronger. You might actually be getting better, like you said, where you're able to get more out of each rep. You're able to have that mind-muscle connection better, um, stimulate those muscles better, learn how to contract those muscles in the right order and get a good peak contraction, adding in a slower eccentric. Like this, And I think this idea actually happens with 
all trainees. And I think it, it's really a good thing to have a coach when that comes up. I'll look at a client's log and it says week one was 10, 10 pounds for 10 reps. And week two is 12 pounds for 10 reps. And week three is 10 pounds for 10 reps. And we'll talk and they're like, you know, I went to the 12 and yes, I got 10 reps and it looks like I progressed and it was great, but that set wasn't as good as the 10 pounds for 10 reps. And that idea of like a set not being better with less reps or load um, is something that an, an advanced person totally understands where they're like, man, I just jerked jerked this bent over barbell row up to my stomach and I wasn't really feeling it and there wasn't a good stretch and a lot of body English. Like at an advanced training understands that I need to be using the right muscles. I can't waste one unit of energy on something other than contracting this muscle right here. And so that's something that I think everybody can learn from that like, yes, as a novice, you don't really, you're not there yet. You haven't done it enough to really like have that good connection of like, what am I working? Like it's important for you to think about, but it's just not there yet. And as you become more advanced, you go into that intermediate advanced stage, you're actually actively focusing on certain muscle groups and you just get better at the movements. I've, I've been squatting the same amount for the last four years. Like not the exact same amount, but you'd look at the progression you're like, I oh, hasn't grown his quads. But I, for the first time, have learned how to make my quads a limiting factor. Like it's like I'm starting back at square one and it's not about going through the motions anymore. It's about feeling it in the right place. So I think that that's certainly something that happens as you get uh, more advanced. You start thinking about the tension more than the reps times the load. You're like, okay, how, how, how fucked up were my quads at the end of that squat set? I think that for everybody listening, if, if you if we, this was an open discussion and we put out a, a, a poll, it's like, hey, do you feel your quads when you squat? I'd say most people say no. Most people are like, I go down and I try to not die and then I try and come back up and, and then eventually, you know, my back gives out or something like that. That's probably how most people would describe their squat and be like, okay, why are you squatting? For, for your back? Like, they're like, oh, no, for my quads. It's like, all right, let's teach you how to make your quads a limiting factor so the squat's actually a productive movement. But that's not something a beginner needs to think about as much. Yeah, for sure. I think... Um... One thing, again, that um, an advanced trainee would be able to be very good at is detecting fatigue and where it's coming from. So uh, let's just say, for example, they've kind of got um, a lot of movements that are axial loading. They are very good at then saying, uh, this, I need to rectify this. Like, like at some point, you won't be able to do a squat. Uh, you won't be able to do like a kind of a bent over row. You won't be able to do all of these things that kind of, kind of like a very actual loading you would need to then go to like a machine variant and i think an advanced trainee is just very good at saying no nah, look we're just gonna have to kind of do what we can um and they're typically a lot less um i wouldn't say the words arrogant but just less less of a dick like when you're a beginner trainee you're just yeah i think when you're a beginner trainee you're just like i'm invincible i'm invincible and i think inevitably at some point you will pick up a little niggle just what kind of bodybuilding is and then you kind of get to this advanced stage where you're like just a bit a, a bit more sensible um so taking progressions where you can um uh and yeah so i think you just become a little bit a little bit more sensible yeah definitely a little bit more humble like you said you're worried more about the tension and less about the weight that you're lifting i i had a conversation literally this morning i posted a video of myself doing leg presses and i had a friend one of the trainers at the gym dm me and we've recently been just recently in the last couple of years, just like really breaking down our technique for stuff and increasing range of motion, making sure we're le not leaving any of those things on the table. So our leg presses are super deep now. We're talking you know, calf hits, hammies, all the way down as low as we can, making sure as much knee flexion. And, you know, we're, we're doing like next to nothing. Like what I, what I remember doing day one, eight years ago on the leg press, I'm doing now again. 
And mm. there's a mentality of like, I don't give a fuck how much weight is on there. I care that my quads are blowing up and they are. And so there's a, a level of humble of like, I don't care what weight is on the bar. I care about, you know, what's hurting at what rep and with what, you know, how safe am I when I'm doing this? Um, something I was thinking about, I was trying to write down like, what are the differences practically for advanced intermediate and novice? And then what are the differences mentally, like mentality wise? And Actually, I, I listed all the practical things like, okay, inter, uh, advanced people are going to focus more on, you know, maybe they consider specialization, specialization phases. Maybe they're focused more on, you know, their, their sleep and their pre-workout nutrition and meal timing and nutrient timing and, you know, meal frequency. And maybe they are focused more on that. But I actually think it's a bit more ironic than that. I actually think it's novices that are more worried about that stuff. And it's, it's an advanced state of mind to recognize what the big rocks are. And I think if you ask, whatever, you ask Big uh, Big Ramey or Phil Heath or, or, or Ronnie, like, yes, they were they had their you know meal timing on point. But if you ask Ronnie Coleman, what are the important things to getting big? He's like, eat big, lift big. Like, like he, I'm not saying it's that simple, but the, it's an advanced state of mind to recognize what the minutia is and to make sure you're hitting the big rocks. I think it's an advanced state of mind to know the hierarchy and to live by it. Even if you're also doing the things at the top of that hierarchy, your nutrient timing, your supplementation, making sure your sleep's on point, stress management, maybe you're doing all those things, but it's the advanced trainee that has that pyramid kind of upside down. And it's almost like as you go through from a novice to intermediate, uh, intermediate to advanced, mentally, you're actually, it's just a recognition of what's actually important that is that's happening. That you don't have to be perfect with every single thing. And if you hit the big rocks, calories, protein, training adequately with, you know, near close enough to failure, like you're going to make great gains. Mm. Yeah. I think, um, again, I think that the advanced get very, um, sucked in by the minutia because again, you got to realize that they're not gaining how they were. So they're, also they want to kind of maximize as much as possible. So when they're kind of looking at the minutia, they're doing that for a reason, but they might talk about that. Not again, not realizing that the yes. novice training might be going straight to that um right. i don't think it's i don't i really don't think it's their fault i think it's just like they're just they just want to maximize every single little bit of kind of gains they want to they want to milk that but again I, th I just don't think like i try and make have a conscious effort of not trying to talk about so much minutia and it's a bit hard sometimes um because obviously you kind of need to cater for everyone like someone i don't want someone to look at my kind of content and go right okay that's the way to build muscle it's like well you're missing a lot of other things first before you start looking at this um so yeah i think that people will always talk about what they're doing if that makes sense so they're talking about if they're saying i'm doing this i'm taking this supplement with this supplement with this supplement it's because they're trying to get kind of uh, they're, they're trying to kind of maximize gains and again the novice will, will normally listen <laughs> and there's and there's and there's a uh, two competing camps that are just if i can crack me up there's like evidence-based bodybuilding community who is interested in the minutia from first of all let's call it what it is man it's fun it's fun to talk about you know little things that we can layer on top of what we're already doing and, and kind of sneak in some extra gains there like it's fun to talk about it's fun to, to think about the new research of what's coming out but then you have every time you have one camp you by definition create a polarizing opposite camp and i actually have this as a list of podcasts that i want to do and maybe you and i will have that discussion of like the shut up and lift camp versus like the evidence-based bodybuilding community where you'll, you, there's somebody listening to this podcast who is, who shut it off after 15 minutes and was like, just fucking lift, just fucking eat. It's that simple. And, and, and 
I think there's good to be taken from that. And there's also good to be taken from like, hey, slow down. That's like probably an overly simplistic, um, mm-hmm. you know, piece of advice that's not actually helping people. Um, do you do you feel do you feel a similar way? Yeah, so I would actually say that I am in kind of the middle of that. So I would yeah. say that I'm kind of evidence-based, but at the same time, it's just like, and I spoke about this previously, I think on Instagram, it's just like at some point, you need to get your head out of a book and actually lift. Like there yeah. is a point where like, I was really guilty of it. Well, kind of in the kind of early intermediate stage group where I would just be like, kind of just looking at every single like literature paper coming out and then just not, like not turning up to the gym it's just like what are you doing like you're you're missing a massive portion of the gains yeah. like you, i think uh gary v actually said this quote and it said you'll never get big oh what, i think it's like you'll never get big not doing a push-up or something or re- you'll never get big reading about a push-up um which i found to be like a very cool quote uh so yeah at some point it like i would say that i'm a um i would say maybe like an evidence kind of based practitioner but at the same time i'm just like a realist yeah and at the same time it's it's, uh, people will never do stuff or do things unless they're perfect at doing it or trying to be perfect at doing it at the the end of the day you're never going to be perfect at anything the only way you're going to be perfect at bodybuilding is if you bodybuild like that is the point of bodybuilding um and you kind of you kind of reach kind of perfection uh, you you'll probably never actually reach perfection but you're more likely to get to perfection by screwing up so at the same time with this kind of like we're, we're trying to teach kind of novices like my best uh kind of experience or my best kind of uh, learning curve was actually kind of screwing up not training my back uh not going into gym and training legs or not doing like hitting my macros or just kind of the mistakes um has taken kind of or, or has kind of built a business from kind of doing that that's my experience um so yeah yeah i think i've had multiple coaches on here and the discussion always comes up of like it's our job to shorten people's learning curves and the best way we do that is by helping them avoid the one the mistakes we've made ourselves mm-hmm. and I, yeah, I spent a long time as the shut up and lift crowd um i don't think i echoed it as eloquently as that but i certainly um held tightly to the simplicity of things and i think that there's good to be taken from that but i think the like everything it's uh the likely the most helpful position to have is something in the middle that at least acknowledges the good from both sides. And that's absolutely why I wanted you on today is because I think that you're in, you have one foot in that evidence-based bodybuilding community of like, I don't know if you've, if you coach actually like prep, like for bodybuilding competitions, like do you? Uh, So I'm planning to next year. Yeah. Yeah. So that's not something that I'm familiar with at all. And I think that there's a lot that we can learn from that that can be applied to, you know, Susan uh, in accounting who just wants to get, you know, in like, apartment complex pool shape you know so um that's great um i don't want to take up too much of your time why don't you let everybody know where they can find you and uh I definitely have you guys have you on again I, we have we have some more things we need to talk about yeah for sure so uh mainly on instagram but i'm now in the youtube game which is fantastic so um i, saw that. I think you could yeah you could just find me on youtube which is just i think it's just jack rayner which is you know very Simple. generic yeah good yeah <laughs> it's not like jack rayner fitness it's don't just be jack subtle no, uh, nothing be subtle yeah and then uh just rayner trainer on instagram and that's pretty much about it yeah jack- know, hard, I, yeah i haven't got facebook oh i have got facebook but i find it's just a bit yeah yeah we don't mess with just facebook a, it's a dark place yeah. it's a dark political polarizing yeah. place up there yeah for sure 
Um, yeah, listen, guys, if you guys uh, like the conversation today and you guys want to kind of learn a little bit more about some of the concepts we talked about, Jack is the king of the world's most simple infographics. It's like mm -hmm. there are people out there with like super complex nine swipe through and Jack's over here in like a black and white with like stick figures <laughs> and it's the fucking greatest, most like tangible, acknowledgeable, understandable uh, uh, infographics. So that's, a, that's been cool to watch. I love your stuff. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Where Optimal Meets Practical. If you enjoyed it, if you found value, do me a favor and take a screenshot of your phone and post it to your social media. If you do, tag me so I can say thanks. If you ever want to get in touch with me, you can reach me at Jordan Lips Fitness on Instagram, or you can email me, jordanlips at jordanlipsfitness.com, or check out the website, jordanlipsfitness.com. I'd love to chat. Have a great day.